<clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again this morning. Just thank you for this moment to just, Lord, just open your word, Lord, and to calm our hearts and our minds. And Lord, not think about this world, but think about your word. And Lord, just maybe the one verse or one precept that we look at today will be something that means something to us and will change our lives, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I mean, favorite thing, and, and my wife tries to teach me Spanish, and I don't learn too much, but favorite greeting is uh, buenos nachos, because I like nachos, even though it's, you know, not correct. So let's start off with uh, Matthew chapter 18. Let's go there, and let's continue what we started talking about last week, which was forgiveness. As we went through all the, some of the stuff that, that men and in, in and, and women battle in our hearts is that that pride and that bitterness and anger and and we've talk, been talking about so much stuff that you know what is it what it causes all that and and unforgiveness is the number one thing that that causes us to have all that anger and bitterness and, and resentfulness and and so much destruction and we've seen it in our lives we've seen it in other people's lives uh, and if we're honest with ourselves, I and mean, everybody would really be open, you, you would see so much destruction just from unforgiveness and, I mean, you know, holding a grudge, you know. <clears throat> so let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. <clears throat> and the Bible says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Okay, so we're talking about forgiveness. Like I said, we talked about Bless you, biblical forgiveness, not worldly forgiveness, biblical forgiveness. Um, and that's what we talked about. And the example we looked at, and we, we kind of ended up with last week, and we were kind of going through fast, was that king, that he had a servant that owed him a bunch of money. But the servant said, uh, you know, please, please forgive me, you know, and he begged him because he was going to sell his kid, his, his wife, and his home, and everything he had, and throw him in prison. And he, he begged him, right? And he forgave his debt, but then, but then that servant also had somebody, the fellow servant that owed him a little bit of money, and he wouldn't forgive that debt, and he threw him in prison, right? But when the king found out about it, which would be our Lord and Savior, he said, you know what? Then I'm not going to forgive your trespasses. I'm throwing you in prison, and you're going to be tormented. You know, that's what we looked at, and we often hear the word, you know, we always hear people talk about, oh, forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and forget, but that's not really what the Bible talks about. Okay, and, and we've also heard that, that, you know, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. That's holding a grudge, okay? And this, too, is not biblical, okay? So to forgive or forget does not mean that a person who has been hurt can just magically forget everything that's happened. That's not going to happen. It's there in our memory until you get old and, you know, your memories start slipping and you don't remember things anymore. Um, you know, if you get to that point to where you can walk into the bathroom and it's the only room you can walk into and actually remember why you went in there, yeah, you're that age. Not you yet, Chris, but you're getting there. Um, but it is possible, it is possible for these people that have been hurt to forgive others and to forget, as long as it's the biblical definition of forgive and forget. It's what we're talking about, right? And that's the view we're going to look at. In the Bible, uh, remembering and forgetting do not have anything to do with actually the retention of information within our brain, okay? And let's go to Genesis 8.1, and let's start learn, learning about this, what God really meant here. Genesis 
to forgive and forget we're talking about. So Genesis chapter 8, verse 1 says, And God remembered Noah, okay, and every living thing, and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters uh, assuaged, right? So we're talking about here, we're talking about God. And we see that God remembered Noah, okay? And he remembered him when? After the flood. The flood had happened. Noah's in the ark. They're floating along with all the animals. And it says God remembered Noah. This does not mean that for some time God forgot Noah and the ark's just floating along, you know, and God's just not thinking about him. No, it means that one day God looked down and saw the ark and he remembered Noah and he thought, I'm going to go check on Noah now, you know. But he didn't forget about him. So that remember doesn't mean that he had forgot. Noah was still on his mind. He was still on his heart because he was, Noah was doing what God told him to do, okay? So know, know the, the biblical concept of remembering, it has to do with uh, choosing to act, okay? Choosing to act on these things that have hurt you. And forgetting means refusing to act on the basis of something, Okay? If, I, if, you, if you hurt someone and they're going to forgive you and then they're going to forget, that doesn't mean they're never going to think about it. It means that they're going to choose to not act on those memories again to hurt you, to fight you, to get vengeful on you, right? And when the Bible says God remembered Noah, it means that God chose to act on Noah's behalf, right? And then what did he do? It says he sent a wind to make the waters recede more rapidly, so the earth would dry up, so Noah could get out of the ark, right? I mean, he'd only been in the ark for, you know, quite a while with those animals. So let's look at Jeremiah when we're talking about this remembering and forgetting. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four, And we're going to read a few verses, then we'll talk about them. But we're going to start off with Jeremiah 31 and, and verse <clears throat> 34. And the Bible says, And they shall teach... No more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, here we go, and I will remember their sin no more. Okay? Well, let's go to Hebrews now. Hebrews. Hebrews 8. <clears throat> Hebrews 8 and chapter 12, I mean verse 12. And the Bible says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, that's sin, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Okay, so here we see two verses. God talking about he will remember no more. Let's go to one more. Hebrews chapter 10 and <clears throat> verse 16 and 17. And the Bible says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. He's writing what? His laws in their hearts and their minds. And then verse 17 says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Okay? What is he talking about? Well, we see that these are promises from God. These aren't just words. These are promises from God that under the new covenant, okay, which started with Jesus Christ, right? The new covenant, he will forgive their sins and he will remember their sins no more. Does this mean they're gone out of his mind? He just erases? No, they're still there, 
but he chooses not to act on those sins anymore, okay? God does not forget that people have sinned, okay? When, when, he, when he forgives, he chooses. It's, a, it's an act. It's a, it's a conscious act. He chooses not to act on the basis of those sins any longer, okay? Remember, the payment of sin is what? We know that. The penalty for sin, the payment of sin is death if they are not forgiven, okay? So this is how God commands us to be with those who have hurt us. This is forgiveness. And we are to forgive them, then we are to no longer bring up or judge them or be vengeful or attack them with or use them to bat, hit them over the head with these sins that they've done to hurt us anymore, okay? So once it is forgiven, it is supposed to be resolved and it is finished. Just like Christ forgave us, and once he died on that cross for our sins, they're forgiven and they're finished. They're done. Okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> Verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Well, charity is love, right? That's love. God has that love for us. We're supposed to have that love for others, right? So we see an example of biblical forgive and forgiveness right here. Uh, love keeps no record of wrongs. God loves us. That's why he doesn't keep a record of your sins. You know, those that you choose to forget and you love, you forgive them and you don't keep a record. They're gone, right? So forgive and forget means to ba basically the same thing, okay? Forgiveness and forget is almost the same thing. It both, they both mean that a person who has, for, who has forgiven will not continue to hold that sin against one who has hurt them, okay? Or use it in the future against them, you know? Like 20 years go by, and you get into discussion, and you get upset, and then you go, you know, 20 years ago, you did this to me. And you're, where did that come from? But they're holding on to it. And now they're using it against you, right? And a person may remember what happened 20 years ago, but they, are, they can choose not to act on it, just like God does. They could choose not to act on it. And that is biblical forgetting, okay? So we are, we are, are, for, we are forgiving people who have hurt us, but, you know, have not confessed or repented or even asked for forgiveness. They may not have done that, but you still forgive them. That's because you want your fellowship between you and God to stay, and you want it to be right in your heart. Now, they can be wrong if they want to, right? For example, you think about it. Sometimes in court, the victims of a, victims of a crime will get a chance to speak to the offender before their sentence is passed on them. And, and often the victims will tell how the crime has impacted them and impact their lives and hurt them. And they'll ask the judge to impose the strictest sentence possible on that person, right? But occasionally the victim will tell the offender, I forgive you. And we've seen that. And you're like, whoa, how could they forgive them? They're not doing that for the offender. They're doing it for their own good. Because if they don't forgive them, they're going to keep that in their heart, and it's going to eat them alive, like we talked about. That root of bitterness, that poison will eat you, right? And this forgiveness, it, it, it is valid if the convicted criminal has not even confessed or acted for forgiveness. He could still be like, I don't care. But it's not for the offender. It's for the one that was hurt. So, you know... <clears throat> Where did I go? I lost my message. 
<clears throat> Here we go. I lost it. So the victim, like I said, often forgives the criminal so that they, will have, they won't be eaten up with this hatred for the criminal for the rest of their lives. And there's people that do that. They have some aspect of their life that somebody hurt them, and we sometimes see it in family, you know, and, and they'll say, I haven't talked to my family in 10 years. Really? Ten years have already went by, and you're just one little thing is eating you alive, and it's making you miserable. And it's making you lose that fellowship with your family for ten years or more, you know. Um, and the, the forgiveness can be granted by a victim in the court, you know. And, and it, it does not absolve the criminal of the crime, and we see that. They still have legal penalties they have to pay for. And the, the person that, that causes hurt or a person that sins... You know, you can be forgiven for your sins. You can ask for forgiveness. You can receive forgiveness. But there's still a penalty for that sin. There's still going to be some damage. Okay? It doesn't erase it. Okay? <clears throat> but God forgives people when they forget, for, confess their sins and, and ask Him for forgiveness. Then that forgiveness only comes through faith in Jesus Christ, which involves what? A spiritual transformation. We can't give forgiveness if we're not spiritually transformed, right? So let's go to James chapter 5 and look at that. James 5.16. James 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. That is such a, a key verse right there. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right? Look at that. You confess your faults one to another and then it says pray for each other. We need to be praying for each other. But then the key right there, that ye may be healed. So it's not for the offender. It's for you, that you may be healed. So you won't hold a grudge. So you won't have poison in your heart for the rest of your life, right? And then that courtroom example we're talking about, even if the victim forgives the criminal, there can never be the establishment or restoration of a relationship unless the criminal confesses their sin and is actually seeks forgiveness, okay? Same thing in our lives. Biblical forgiveness, the goal of biblical forgiveness is not only to benefit the person that was hurt, but it's to restore that relationship, okay? You know, if, if your friend hurts you and you go off for 10 years and you don't talk to each other because somebody's holding a grudge and there's no forgiveness, but if there's forgiveness and it's, it's, it's both ways, then that relationship is, is going to be restored. And guess what? It's going to be stronger. The sin is never going to be forgotten. I mean, it's never, you're never going to be, you can't erase it like it never happened. It's not like when we were kids in the 80s, we had those pens, ink pens. Remember, we could erase them. But you look at your paper, it's always still there. It's the same way, exact same way. It's always still there, but you don't bring it up again. You write over it, and your relationship is stronger now. Okay? It draws you closer together. So let's look at Matthew uh, 18 again. Matthew 18 and verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. 
70 times 7. This is almost, and this is for every single sin. This is not just for all sins. You know, this is for every time they sin against you. A person should always be willing to forgive every, every time forgiveness is requested of you. Okay? And just, this is Jesus teaching this. This is what he's teaching. And, and it goes without saying that on, on some of these occasions, the request may be insincere or, or it may be sincere. The, the, the person may commit the same offense against us again at a later time. They're sinful just like we are. After all, that's, that's what we did to God, right? We sin against God over and over and over. We don't go out there and willfully sin, but it, it, we sin. That's exactly what we do to God, and what does he do? He forgives us every single time. When we come to him and ask for forgiveness, he forgives us every single time. That's what he wants to, us to do for each other, forgive each other every single time. And let's look at Matthew, same chapter, and let's look at verses 15 through 17. And the Bible says, <clears throat> Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his faults between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto, unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Okay, so in some cases we see that that one has, has, has who has been hurt has the right to just just simply let it go, right? Even if forgiveness has not been asked by that other person, okay. And in other cases we see that that one who has been hurt needs to wait until the the, the one that hurt you, the offending party, has confessed, right, and has asked for forgiveness, okay. And that's so that the relationship can be restored. Okay, and, and this is the principle we see in, in these verses that it's kind of we're looking at is church discipline here. Okay, have somebody that hurts you, you go to them and tell them you've hurt me. Let's have a discussion, not a screaming, yelling match, but a discussion. Okay, if they don't want to hear you, then you take one or two people with you as witnesses and try again to restore the relationship. If they don't want to hear that, then it says go to the church. Okay, this is Christian discipline. But it's all with the goal of seeking forgiveness and restoring a relationship. So, <clears throat> if the conf confrontation of the sinner brings about confession, then reconciliation and forgiveness are offered, right? And if confrontation is unsuccessful, you know, and that person's really a, a, a problem, the church has the option to say, you're out of the church. You're not going to stay here and be wrong and cause trouble because the church is a body and we need to stay harmonious, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 539. Matthew chapter 539. The Bible says, But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but that you resist not evil, but who but whatsoever shall smite thee, uh, whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek. Turn to him the other also. So here we see a general rule in the Bible. We've heard this, right? This general rule is for minor offenses, you know, in the family or in the church. A person should, should, you know, let them go. But Jesus tells us what? To turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. That's not holding a grudge, right? So, uh, however, if an offense is such that turning the other cheek is not possible, the, the other one, the one who is hurt is 
obligated to go talk to the offender about it. That's what we talked about in the previous little verses. And under no circumstances, the one, the one who has, has hurt uh, have the right to harbor resentment. Okay, you don't have the right to be to harbor that resentment, to hold that grudge, and, and you know to, to hold on to bitterness. We've talked about that, or to go out and gossip about the offense and start talking about that person behind their back. You don't have that right. Okay, so you think about it. You know, think about these questions. I got some questions here. So here are some questions, and we think about it in relation to forgiveness in your life, in relation to forgiveness. Okay, have I confessed my sin and received God's forgiveness? That's number one. Okay, number two, is there anyone who I have sinned against and from whom I need to ask forgiveness? That's number two. Is there anyone who has sinned against me and has asked me for forgiveness, but I have refused to forgive and let it go? Okay, is there anyone I'm holding a grudge, a grudge against for past wrongs? That's that bitterness. That's that root of bitterness. Is there is there any unresolved issue that, that I will, will simply let go or, or I will maybe not go to talk to the offender about it, right? That's holding a grudge. We're not wanting to talk about it, right? Or would I be willing to forgive the offender if they ask me for forgiveness? If somebody's hurt you and they come, and, and they come to you and ask for forgiveness, are you willing? Are you just going to go, okay. Are you willing? Okay. So think about how do you answer these? You know, maybe there's someone that, that you need to, to go out and say, I'm sorry, and seek forgiveness, seek restoring that relationship. Or maybe there's someone you need to go tell them, hey, I've been holding a grudge against you. I need you to forgive me for that. They may not even know it. They probably do because grudges are pretty apparent, right? So, you know, does the Bible tell us to forgive and forget? Well, like I said, the, the, the actual phrase forgive and forget is not found in the Bible. Let's go to Matthew, uh, still in Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at uh, 14 through 15. The Bible says, For if you forgive men, this is Jesus Christ speaking, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That is really scary position to be in. Imagine that, because you won't forgive somebody, God is not going to forgive you until you make that right. Okay? Let's go to Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. The Bible says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we see right here, these are just two verses that out of the many, many verses in the Bible, commanding us to do what? Forgive each other. Forgive each other, right? And and Matthew uh, 6.15, let's go back to that verse again. Because this is pretty important. We talked about this, but this is this is the one right here. Uh, Matthew, ah, I can't even get the right verse. Matthew six fifteen. Remember, we just read this. But if ye forgive not 
men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Like I said, this is a very, very dangerous place to be. This is a Christian who is not willing to forgive others. What's going to happen to them? Well, first, they're going to find that their fellowship with God is broken right there because he says, if you won't forgive, I'm not going to forgive. Okay? You've broken your fellowship with God, okay? And then what happens? Your Christian life is hindered. You just put a, a big old padlock on your Christian life. You're hindered, right? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's see what happens to you then. Hebrews 12. And we're going to read verses 14 through 15. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. The Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness. Key word is all. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And what it's talking about there where it says fail the grace of God, that means um, fall short of the grace of God, right? And, and peace and holiness, uh, if we don't give that peace and holiness, uh, right here is telling us that we will not see the Lord. That's pretty bad. You're no longer going to see him in your life. How is your life going to be when the Lord takes his hands off of you and just lets you go, right? That's like free-falling. That's not fun, right? That's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. See how that landing goes, right? Let's go to Second Second uh, uh, John, verse 8. Second John, verse 8. Second John, verse 8 says, and the Bible says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we hath wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Well, what it's talking about, this full reward, if we see that if we're unforgiving and that breaks our fellowship with God, guess what happens? Then you can reap bitterness. It's going to be all over you, right? And you're going to lose that loss of reward from God. That's not a good thing. You want to lose the loss of the reward from God? Nobody else is going to give you rewards, right? Let's look at um, Luke chapter 6. Back to Luke chapter 6. You know, another thing is think about at what point does God take his hand of protection off of you and just let you go and let the world have its way with you? Not good. And that can, that can not only happen physically, it can happen with your health, it can happen with your mental status, it can happen with your financial status. He just lets go and you're on your own. Luke chapter 6 and verse 37, and the Bible says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Here's the rest of, rest of it. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. So we see that some of the consequences of not forgiving others, right? If we do not forgive and forget those who have hurt us, right here, we will be judged, we will be condemned, and not forgiven by God. That is not a place you want to stand, okay? Matthew chapter four, or chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. 
verse 44. The Bible says, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. Man, that is hard, right? That is an act that you have to do on purpose. This is nothing that's going to be passive. This is going to be something you have to actively strive to do. You know, love your enemies? Really? Yeah, yeah. What about those that persecute you and despitefully use you? Oh, love them. That's what he says, right? So what we see here is, is we, we see that, that forgiveness is a decision of the will within our hearts and within our minds. And since God commands us to forgive, we must make a conscious choice. That's what it is. It's a conscious choice. It's just like we've talked about before. We go, oh, I made a mistake. No, you made a bad decision, okay? It's a conscious choice. The offender may not even desire your forgiveness and may not ever change, okay? There may be somebody that's on that road and they just like a, just don't care, right? But that doesn't negate, uh, doesn't negate God's desire that we possess a forgiving spirit. Those are our enemies, right? Those are the ones that persecute us. Those are the ones that despitefully use us, right? But he still says we have to have that forgiving spirit because we're supposed to still love them. So ideally, the offender will seek reconciliation. That's what we want, right? We don't want our relationships broken. But if not, the one who, who has hurt us, we can still still make that decision to forgive because that's what restores our fellowship with God and that's what gets our heart and our lives right and gets that bitterness out of us and gets that grudge out of us, right? It's not about the offender, it's about us. So let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 8, 12. Hebrews 8, verse 12, and the Bible says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Okay? So what are we looking at? We're looking at that it is is impossible to truly forget their sins, right? Those that hurt us, that, that have been committed against us, we'll never truly forget. They're not erased. We talked about that, right? But we can selectively, selectively delete those memories from our, our memory. And what I mean by that is you can choose not to think about them anymore. You don't have to wake up and dwell on this, okay? Because that's going to control you. And that's that root of bitterness, right? The, and the Bible states that God does not remember our wickedness anymore. It mean, doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened, but he chooses to not think about that anymore. He chooses not to judge us on that anymore and use it against us in the future, right? It's forgiven. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. We should all know this verse, right? For all, for all have sinned. That means every single one of us, everybody that's ever been born on this earth has sinned, okay? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, okay? But God is still all-knowing, isn't he? And God remembers that we have all sinned. He even tells us right here, we have all sinned. And he tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God, okay? That's, That's a fact. 
There's nothing, no way to even argue that. But having been, been forgiven by God, because we come to him and ask for forgiveness, we are justified through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Okay? Heaven is ours as if we had never sinned. Like that sin had never occurred because it's been forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It's been forgiven. And that's the way we're supposed to be with those in our world around us. Okay? It's supposed to be like it never occurred. We go on with our lives and we build relationships. That's what he wants us to do. That's the kind of love God has. That's the kind of love God has for us. That's the kind of love we're talking about that we should have for others. Okay? Romans 8, 1. Romans 8, verse 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that's how you're going to find forgiveness. It's not in the flesh. It's going to be in the Spirit. So if we belong to Him through faith in Christ, God does not condemn us for our sins. Okay? And in a sense... God forgives and forgets. That's what we're talking about. Forgives and forgets. If we are forgiven, or, or, I'm sorry, if by forgive and forget we mean that, that we choose to forgive those who have hurt us, right? And for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, we move on with our lives. Okay? Then, then this is a wise, wise decision. This is a godly decision. This is an active decision that we do on purpose. Okay? And this is also called the right thing to do, because this is what God tells us to do. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, in verse 13. says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. That's forgetting the past, guys. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. That's letting go of the past and moving on to the future, right? We are told as much as possible that we should forget the past and focus on today and focus on our future so we can continue to live that Christian life. Okay? Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. The Bible says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to forgive each other just, just for what? Just as God, for Christ's sake, forgave us. He's commanding us to forgive, right? Hebrews 12, 15. And why would you not forgive? A grudge, bitterness, pride. Hebrews 12, 15. Let's look at this one. It says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, there we talked about that, springing up trouble you, and thereby def many be defiled. Okay? And what does it talk about there? It says, it says uh, fail of the grace of God. That's falling short of the grace of God. And, and that's what we do when we don't forgive. We're falling short of the grace of God. Okay? And then he says that we must not allow that root of bitterness to spring up in our hearts. And why is that? Because that root of bitterness will grow. It'll become a little bush and then a tree. And then, you know, 
I don't know what's after a tree, something big, okay? It'll be a mountain on your heart, and it will just crush you, and it will cause destruction in your life and in the lives around you. We're almost there. Matthew 10, 16. Look at this about, about forgiveness. Matthew 10, verse 16. <clears throat> Jesus says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's us in this world, right? Sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's hard to do. But this is what God expects us. We see that we must be willing to forgive, right? And, and But also, we have to be wise about it. And this means that we forgive, but if that person is somebody that just, just will not stop, okay, and they're just going to keep going down that road that's not the Christian path, we don't keep company with them anymore. We cut that tie because that's going to drag us down. We forgive them, but then they're on their own, right? And, and that's because they're unrepentant. And those are the people that just don't care. They hurt you and they don't care. It doesn't bother them, and they'll hurt you again and again and again and again because they don't care. Well, that's what we're talking about. It says be smart, right? Be wise, right? Do not hang around with sinners because they're going to hurt you again, okay? And you see this a lot of times with a Christian that may start, you know, having feelings for somebody that's not a Christian. That's unequally yoked, and that's going to cause you lots of pain, right? So the idea is for the offender to repent of their sins, right? For, for repent from, from, from hurting us and for the one who is hurt to forgive and forget. So the one that is the offender, they need to repent and look for forgiveness and they ask you forgiveness. And when they do, this is the ideal of forgive and forget. Then that one that's been hurt says, okay, I forgive you and I forget. And then guess what? You have a relationship again, okay? Let's go, let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, and why, we're going to see why this is, how this is possible. Chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 8 to 14. The Bible says, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and, and, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our fathers, for I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to rise up children unto Abraham. <clears throat> and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, and every tree therefore which bringeth forth bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then also, then came also the publicans to be baptized, and he saith unto them, and they saith unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he saith unto them, Exact, no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Okay? So some precepts there we're going to look at, but let's go to Acts. and Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Since we're talking about this repentance. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And the Bible says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
So what are we talking about in these verses, these passages? Well, the Bible's talking about true repentance. And what will true repentance do? It will change our actions. Okay? It will change our actions. And true forgiveness will change our hearts. Okay? Because if you have that unforgiveness in you, your heart's going to be hard. And it's going to get harder and harder as the time goes on. That's how you're able to hold a grudge for 10 years. Because your heart's getting harder. And you're like, I don't want to be around my family. They're crazy. They said my car was ugly. That was 10 years ago. You're still holding on to it, right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We're almost there. 4 and 5 says... Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We're talking about love here, right? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love forgives and forgets. Love forgives and forgets. 1 Peter 4.8. Almost there, guys. 1 Peter 4.8. Bible says, and above all things, this is, this is awesome, above all things, have fervent charity. So above all things, you're supposed to have fervent love, an abundance of love, right? Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Char- charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So what does love do? Love covers a multitude of sins. What does God's love do for us? It covers our sin. What does our love do for others? It covers their sins. It means you forgive them, right? You forgive them. Proverbs 10, 12. Proverbs 10, 12. <clears throat> Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, and that is true, right? But love covereth all sins. So what have we learned right here? Love. Love covers all sins. Love is forgiveness, right? Love is forgetting, okay? This is what God's love did for us. He forgave and forgot, right? And he forgave us, and he forgot our sins, and he expects us to do that for others. Have we done that? Has somebody hurt us and we won't let it go? Has somebody hurt us and we constantly think about it? Are we still beating them up for it? You know, or have you hurt someone and you haven't went to them and asked for their forgiveness? You know, have you gossiped about somebody? Have you done something to hurt them? That's forgiveness. That's forgetting. That's biblical forgiveness and forgetting, right? And if you haven't done that, don't delay. Do it today. Get it done, right? Okay, let's pray, guys. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again just to thank you for this moment to open your Bible and to hear your word about your love and your forgiveness and, and how you forgive our sins. And then, Lord, how you forget our sins, Lord, and, and how you expect every Christian to do that for others, Lord. And I ask you just to help us with this, Lord, so we, our hearts will be free and our, our fellowship will not be broken with you and with others, Lord. And, 
I ask you just to be with us the rest of this day as we continue to learn from your word, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.